Let's bring in our buddy. Ken Rosenthal Ken joins us right now. It. Let's do our Charlotte's Web uh, player access sponsored by Recreate. And let's touch on the player side here first real quick. Ken, did you see that yesterday? I read about it. I didn't actually see it. Okay. Well, I think AJ. But Tori Lovello said something really pertinent. He said that Acuna did nothing wrong mm-hmm. and that the pitcher has to account for that. So to me, that's end of story. And as you said, Scott, what he was doing was effective. And if it works, it works. Not cheating, yep. not doing anything illicit. It's fine. I think a lot of people are just worried about Acuna in general these days because he wreaks as havoc. As they should be. <laughs> yeah, should. as they should be. Exactly. All right, so I have so many directions I want to go. I'm going to give AJ the option. Do you either want to start with like all the trade talk and the teams and everything, or do you want to start with the commissioner getting oh, commissioner. re-upped? Commissioner. Okay, so let's start there. Can you and Evan Drellick teamed up to report on how Commissioner Manfred is going to have another term, probably the same as the last few five years, probably 25 plus million dollars. So what do you think about it? Because I think the role of the commissioner in baseball has changed. He's making money for the owners, so that's all that matters. So do you think this is the right decision? Not that there's someone that's going to replace him um, that was in the running, but do you think that he's doing what he should be doing in that role? He's doing what he should be doing, Scott, as you just mentioned, for the people who employ him, the owners. And to some degree, you're right. The role has shifted over the years. And back in the day, a long time ago, we thought about the commissioner being someone who acts only in the best interests of baseball. And that sort of changed when Bud Sealy became commissioner because, of course, he was a former owner. And it became a situation which was not really unlike what it ever was, but the owners run the show. Manfred works for the owners. It's a simple equation. He makes no bones about it, nor really should he. So I can sit here and question this and that and the other thing, and we do, right? We criticize him when we think it's appropriate. But as you said, Scott, he's making money for the owners. The sport is in a better place this year than it's been in a while. And for that, he gets some of the credit, for sure. So they're not going to change it. And I kind of make the analogy to what I discussed earlier this week with regard to Otani and Artie Moreno. It's not a perfect analogy, but hear me out. I said earlier this week, the Otani decision, my opinion doesn't matter. You guys' opinion doesn't matter. Fans' opinion doesn't matter. Nobody's opinion matters but one man. That's Artie Moreno. With the decision to have Manfred back, and extended, it's the same kind of thing. The only opinions that matter are those of the owners. They are apparently satisfied or clearly satisfied with how this is going. So we can sit here and squawk all we want and we can wonder why he isn't a better public speaker and doesn't handle himself more gracefully at times. We can question certain decisions, that's all fair game. But at the same time, he's not going anywhere and he's not going anywhere because the owners like him. So he is about to turn 65. It's his age 65 season. And he will probably run until his age 70 season with this next term coming up. There's something that I call effort mode, where this could be the last run that he has five more years. He might, wanna, he might not want to do this again from 70 to 75. Do you think that affects the way that he commissioners at all where you don't have to take as much shit potentially from everyone else you can sure make your money but do you tilt the line a little bit towards legacy and trying to have a 
uh, more favored reputation in the way that you speak to the media and deal with fans and in the decisions that you make where you don't have to take shit from, you know, a certain owner 24 seven, cause you don't have to worry about him reelecting you. Do you think that could tilt at all during this next term? Scott, that is an excellent question and I haven't really considered it, but if you think about it and just go by the way he has acted so far, I would say I don't expect much of a change, if any. Now, people can always improve in anything that they do, even at an older age, right? But I don't expect him to change much publicly. I don't expect him to be any less servile is a strong word, but you know what I'm saying with regard to the owners. He is their guy, and I expect him to act in their best interests. I, I just don't see him deviating from that very much and going off the reservation, so to speak. He is who he is as a commissioner, and he has forged that identity. I just don't see him suddenly becoming a guy who is worried about his legacy with regard to his historical impact on the sport. He does what he does, and I don't know that his feel for the sport is so great anyway. I've never felt that it was so great, and there are people within the sport who feel the same way, executives, etc. So I don't anticipate a change, but what you're saying is definitely interesting to think about. And when he does get reelected, and he will, that's a fair question to ask of him. Hey, what might you do differently now that you have this next term? Ken, what happens, what's to say he doesn't go the other way? He's already institute, he's already incorporated all these new rules. What's to say he just doesn't go off the reservation and go like the complete other way and be like, I'm putting in auto, you know, robo umps and I'm putting two bases at first and I'm, you know, just going crazy with all this and being like, that's my legacy. I changed baseball. And if you don't like it, I'm 70 years old. I don't care anyways. Well, robo umps are coming and it seems to me it's coming with a challenge system, which will not be a complete turnover to the automatic ball strike system, which to me is okay. If we have a situation where there are five challenges a game, I kind of would like to see that. AJ, I think as a catcher, you probably would like to see that too because there are calls that are missed. Now, once you open that Pandora's box, who knows where it goes? That's a conversation for another day. I don't expect him to be much different in that regard either. I don't see him as being suddenly this revolutionary commissioner disrupting the sport in any way he can. He has done some things along the lines of making the sport different. Certainly these rules changes. Overdue, but they got there. So he deserves credit for that. During this next period, what we're going to have is another labor agreement. That will be dicey. We're going to have expansion, most likely, and that's going to be something really important for the sport and perhaps radical realignment going along with that. So there are a number of things that are going to come up that he has to take care of without going off the reservation, for lack of a better phrase. Before we get to the trades, the one other thing that I hope he tries to make a difference with is tanking. And we'll get to the Orioles in a moment because we were talking about that with Nathan Ruiz earlier. But I hope that they continue to at least show some goodwill on his side of the negotiation table and not make this just a player thing because it shouldn't be something you negotiate. But unfortunately, when you look at a team like Baltimore, they're playing so well right now. They were a super tank team over the past five plus years for a sport that's always looking to expand. You're spending so much money internationally, Ken, all of this. It's like, 
you're missing something right in front of you. When teams tank to that extent and they get rewarded, you miss out on a massive chunk of a fan base. There's like this mini generation of fans that give that, that don't follow the sport in a particular area. I really hope that that's one of those things where he says, you know what? I don't need to hear it from the small market owners. I'm going to make some changes like the draft lottery, I think helps that help to get rid of tanking. Totally agree. I don't expect he's going to go to that measure or to that extent. <laughs> and yeah. again, it's an ownership question. And will he act in a way that changes the labor agreement meaningfully to stop tanking? Well, we had ideas in the last set of talks. Remember, the owners proposed a salary floor and they linked it to essentially a harsher series of penalties with regard to the luxury tax. The players were never going to go for that. And it showed that they are really not interested in a salary floor. So they can say, well, we proposed this anti-tanking measure and the players didn't want it. Well, you got to do it in a meaningful way. And Scott, I would like to see the same thing. It's really important. And yes, the Orioles are thriving now, but not all of these teams have succeeded in going backwards. We know the positive examples, the Cubs, from 16, the Astros all these years, then the Orioles now, but it's not that easy. And it's years of losing and suffering. And as you mentioned, alienating fans. There are people in Baltimore and I worked there for many years. I still have family there. They were disaffected by what the Orioles did. And yeah, they'll come back. Fans always come back. That's the beauty of what we do and what we have such passion for with regard to sports, but it's not a healthy thing. And he should recognize it's not a healthy thing. And in the CBA, yes, the lottery helps. It didn't go far enough as far as I'm concerned in a universal way to address tanking. The lottery is one element. They could have done other things. But this is the 100 years war in baseball, labor versus management. And I expect it to be ugly again the next time we have a go-round. For us, Scott and I, we talked about this. The AL is down this year. It's not your typical Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, powerhouses that you've had. It's a little bit down. So is this the year where the Orioles say and the Angelos family and uh, their GM, Mike Elias, say, we're all in, we're going all in, and we're going to make that move. And I don't want to – because I don't want to hear we're ahead of schedule. The schedule is when you're winning. That's, that's your right. schedule. If you're winning ahead of time, that's even better. That means you did a better job developing than you thought. So are they the one team that needs to make a move to say, look, fans, look, people of Baltimore, we are in and we are going for it. They should. I don't know that they will. Teams Gosh, today, I'm sick of that answer. That's the same today, answer we got before. I'm well, sick of that being answer. honest. I know, but I hate that answer. Well, let me explain. Teams today rarely go all in. They're always hedging for the future. And you can understand that. You can understand why in any given year a team might say, well, if we do this, this, and this, it's going to compromise us down the line. Where the Orioles are different, and I've written this a few times now, they have not just great prospects. They've got duplicates. They have too many players for a 26-man roster going forward. They're not going to be able to keep them all. So given what you just said, AJ, about the American League being down, and I agree with this totally, you're not going to have many years where the Yankees and Red Sox are in the state that they're in right now. Yes, they should be more aggressive than they normally would. Now, will they? I don't know. I wrote yesterday that if Otani becomes available, and I don't believe he will still, but if he does, they 
should be the team because they have duplicates. They can do this and take a shot. The $10 million that he's going to earn after the deadline shouldn't be prohibited for any team. And here are the Orioles in this dogfight with Tampa Bay and in a year in which the Astros are also down. Hey, you've got a shot here and you've got something special going and why not take that shot? I don't know that it will be Otani in the end, and they made a minor trade yesterday. We can get to that, which actually should help them a little bit if Fujinami can translate to what he was doing in Oakland over to Baltimore. But they definitely knew to do things, and I expected them, and I thought they would be more active in the offseason. That was the time. They didn't do a whole lot. So they've been hedging, and they've been hedging and hedging and hedging, like a lot of teams do. You're right, AJ. It's time to go. Here's the thing, Ken, about the hedging and the tanking and we're holding on to prospects. Win. Because, again, you don't have to go that far back in baseball where te- every team tried to win every year. And, and, and I get, yes, we want to build for the long term. But you know how you also can build for the long term? By, by going out, if you have a hole, and signing a player to fill that hole instead of waiting on a prospect, an A-ball, two years down the road to maybe help you out. Teams used to say, okay, we need a second baseman. There's five second basemen on the market. We're going to go sign one of these second basemen because our fans expect us to try to win. Now fans say, oh, we're going to tank for five years because it worked for the Cubs. It worked for the Astros. It's working for the Orioles. They haven't won a World Series, but they, they're climbing. But there's also teams you can look at and say, it didn't work. Pittsburgh? Absolutely right. Detroit. Detroit? No, absolutely right. White Cincinnati Sox? Until right, Cincinnati, right now. Right? I mean, there's a whole so- bunch of teams. So you can say, oh, it's great, but what happens when it doesn't work? So if you have a shot and a path, you have to go for it. I'm with you, and you're not going to get an argument from me on this. And I found it interesting yesterday seeing the comments to the article that I wrote about the Orioles possibly being a player for Otani and how they could do it because they have so many prospects and not enough places to play them, all these duplicates. They have the ability to do this and not really harm themselves long term. And... The reaction by some fans, and fans have been conditioned to this over the years, and it drives me nuts. Uh-uh, we've got all this young talent. We're not trading it. Really? You're not going to play all these guys, folks. They're not all going to make it to the big leagues for the Orioles. So at some point, you've got to cash in some of these guys. And what I'm saying is that over the years, this psychology has come into play in the sport in which fans are comfortable with following the process and developing and trading and keeping the payrolls down. No, you should not be comfortable with that. There is a degree of that that has to happen, of course, and especially for the lower revenue teams that aren't in as strong a position financially as the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Red Sox. But at the same time, those teams also should be held accountable for their low payrolls and for not trying as hard as they should. They can do better. Ken, what's going on with the Yanks? And I'm going to say that more in the trade conversation portion because over the last month, Yanks fans are dreaming about who they're going to trade for. We're starting to hit a point where why shouldn't they be involved in the Cardinals-Mets-Padres conversation? If they keep this up, coming up to the trade deadline, we might be saying Wandy Peralta, Harrison Bader, maybe Glaber, even though he's not a free agent coming up after this year. Would the Yankees possibly either A, sell, or B, do the weird thing like AJ referred to earlier where you kind of buy, you kind of sell, you kind of Red Sox it from last year? Where are we at? Because 
they look awful. And thinking that Judge is going to save them in a few weeks might not happen, and they might be out of time. I agree, Scott. And they are at a critical crossroads here. I'm not sure how they're going to do this. I have a hard time believing they're going to sell. I believe the wild card deficit is still only two and a half games. So if you're the Yankees and you want to think positively and just hear me out for a minute, you're facing a rather small deficit. You do have Judge coming back, Loisaga as well. You would think Rodon's going to pitch better. There are some things that you hopefully can count on. But at the same time, where are we going with this? You've already got an older roster. You've got Stanton and LeMahieu and Rizzo, who are not going to be any better next year. And it might be a time for them to do a buy-sell type thing, a retooling of sorts, especially when their payroll is so high. I don't know how you go about that. They're potential free agents. Some of them are interesting, but Severino's not going to bring you what you would have wanted. Ultimately, Bader, frequently injured, good player, but he does get hurt. I don't know. And at the same time, they seem to be at a spot where they were in 2016. Remember when they traded Chapman and Andrew Miller? And those trades at the time were well-received. Now, the Chapman trade worked out well. Torres, the Miller trade, not as well. But at the same time, they have to look at some things. And they have to take a hard look at themselves and be realistic. Because right now, it looks awful. It's just a team that has nothing going offensively. And I don't know, even with Judge, if they're going to have so much more going offensively. He can carry them. We saw it last year. He essentially did. And he changes everything. But what if he gets hurt again? And there are all kinds of things that can happen. So they're a really interesting team to watch in the next couple of weeks. I do not expect them to concede. But I do expect them to perhaps try to get younger, better, and cheaper while still improving. And it's a tough line to to walk it's threading the needle not easy but they just can't simply go in there as buyers and i don't believe they can go in there simply as sellers so is there pressure then on brian cash like never before i mean he's been there for 25 plus years right aaron boone we talked about this earlier aaron boone is getting mad now in his press conferences he used to yeah. be happy all the time every answer positive positive and the last few days if you watch him he's pissed He's like, we got to play better. Like, he's feeling it now, which you never could say before. So, I just don't know what the move is. And, and they have, they're going to have to get super creative, I think, to try to do what you're saying to do, get younger, athletic, but also still contend. The problem is they don't have a lot of assets I don't know that people want. I don't know who they have that people are dying to get their hands on. I mean, I, I can't think – I mean, yeah, of course, Aaron Judge, but he comes with a huge price tag, right? No. I know, but I'm saying other than him, of other teams, if you're a team. I mentioned them. Wandy, Peralta, Bader, IKF, Glaber. No, these are small. Right. They're not not a move. They're not a move that you look at like Chapman. You say, we're going to trade Chapman to the Cubs. He's going to bring us back a Glaber-Torres type prospect. So that's where I I feel like there might be a three-team trade. There might – there's going to have to get – they're going to have to get super creative. And I think this is why if you talk to Yankees fans, I don't know if they trust Brian Cashman to do this. A lot of them don't. And you asked me if there's pressure on him. Pressure is a relative term. There's pressure on him from the fan base. They're frustrated. And there have been a lot of moves over the past few years that have not worked out for Brian Cashman. At the same time, it goes back to almost the same conversation we were having about Manfred, about Artie Moreno. 
There's only one opinion that matters here, and it's Hal Steinbrenner's. And Hal Steinbrenner is extremely loyal to Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman, on balance, those 25 years, they've never had a losing record. They've been to the playoffs in something like 85% of those years. It's hard to argue with that, the bigger picture. But when you burrow down on what's been going on the last few years, not as good. So is there pressure? Pressure in New York from the fans, for sure. Pressure from the owner? I don't know, but my sense is no. And at the same time, Brian Cashman has a lot of pride, and he's going to want to fix this, and he's going to want to get it right. Does he have the wherewithal to do that? Is he savvy enough to do that? Those are all questions that will be asked and should be asked, but I don't see him being in trouble or anything like that. And Boone, it's interesting, AJ. A lot of people have noticed in recent days he looks a little haggard. He's frustrated. He's a little bit more short-tempered, as you said, with reporters than he usually is. But you know how managers work. They're sitting there 24 hours a day trying to figure out how to get things better. And his team is just in the same rut. And I don't know what the answer is. And he's got to be sensing as well, Boone, that his job could be on the line. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe it should be Cashman's job if you're a Yankee fan looking at this objectively. If you're a Yankee executive looking at this objectively. But I don't expect that to be how it works. So we'll see how it goes. I miss George. <laughs> I miss George. Can you imagine if George Steinbrenner still on the Yankees? Not only did he, he would have fired, rehired, oh, yeah. Cashman. It would have been like it would have been circus. more fun to cover because oh, there would have been, been a lot more activity. Well, and more was money. More urgency. There was more yeah. urgency with George. There's no question about that. Now, when you say you miss George, he treated a lot of people badly. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yes, that yes, part yes. of it we don't yes. miss. No, but no, no, yes. I understand what you're saying, and the one thing that George had that is lacking not just among the Yankees, but among a lot of teams, is what we discussed earlier. This fierce hunger to win. That's all he cared about. And he would do things that were not necessarily cool to get there, but that drove that organization. And there was a sense of urgency every day. There's a sense of urgency now. It's not the same. It can't be when you don't have for lack of a better term, a raving lunatic running your team. It's different. Yeah, well, well spoken. Let's finish yeah. with, because our fans are dying for NL West, and I know you wrote about the Dodgers. And I think it's cool, actually, that the Dodgers have some clear-cut needs. It makes it easier for them to kind of focus on what needs to be done. Let me present one case to you from what I read that you put out um, in your notes column in The Athletic. The Dodgers have a lot of potential pitching coming back. Kershaw's definitely going to come back. Bueller is a maybe for them. Um, I know you can't totally rely on a, a young Ryan Pepio, but, and then there's some relievers that you mentioned like Trinan and JP fire eyes. And like th those are, at least you figure a few of those guys are going to help this team down the stretch. So where are you at on NLS slash Dodgers here for the trade deadline? The Dodgers can't count on all that. And certainly some of those pitchers they would hope would come back, but you don't know how effective they're going to be. So I do expect them to be active. And I do expect them to pursue things along the pitching lines. In particular, they've talked about a right-handed bat, not as urgent, in my opinion. They're scoring runs. They're scoring runs at a level that that franchise hasn't since 1955. So that part of it's pretty good. But, yeah, how do you know that Kershaw is going to stay healthy? How do you know that Pepio comes back? You've got younger pitchers. You might want to back off them as the season goes on. So there's all kinds of things in play. These things suggest that they need help. And I'm not even talking about the bullpen, which has been unsettled at various points this season. So they're going to fire. They're going to do some things. 
I expect the Giants will do some things too, and the Diamondbacks are not going to sit still. So that's a very interesting division, and we're not even talking about the Padres, who my understanding is at this point they still are looking forward, still want to build on what they have and not sell. But if they do sell, if they turn around and pivot, they have Snell, They've got Lugo and Hayter and possibly Soto. They can do a lot of things. They can basically dominate the deadline. Of course, when you have the payroll that you do, when you've gone all in, when you're drawing 41,000 people a game, you don't want to do that. But if they don't play better and they have the last two nights in Toronto, that's going to be an option for them. Yeah, I mean. Fascinating. Everyone said it was going to be boring this year, Ken. It's going to be awesome. It's never boring, AJ. I want chaos. I want chaos. (laughs) I want chaos. I don't know if we're going to get chaos, but it's going to be interesting. And it's it's a weird market. It's weird for a lot of reasons. The sport is essentially upside down. We've got teams that we never expected to be playing this well, playing well. We've got teams we thought would be behemoths not playing well. And we have a group of sellers that don't have a lot to offer. So I do expect... We'll see a lot of major league from major league type trades where different players are going back and forth as one team tries to fill this need and the other team tries to fill that need. We've seen some trades like that in the recent past. Bader from Montgomery was a good one, right? So there are going to be things that happen. We just don't know to what extent how it's going to be, but I do expect a level of chaos. Those are the best trades for the sport, by the way, mm-hmm. like marketing-wise. Like Cespedes for Lester, I was freaking out. Awesome. I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, this came Ken, out get out nowhere. your crystal ball. Let's go. I love it. Get out your crystal ball and tell us no, who's No, let him traded. get some rest. He's got to go. He's got to rest No, up. I can't do the crystal ball thing, AJ. That's for others. I, I got to try to find out what's going on. And that's get you, yeah. <laughs> challenging enough. <laughs> Re- real text information oh. coming up from Ken. All right, have fun this weekend on your game, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Ken. And a reminder to everyone, this is your shot to win a trip to this year's World Series. Okay, get involved. Recreate, the official CBD of MLB, wants to send you to the 2023 World Series. You follow hello underscore recreate on Instagram and post a photo in your favorite baseball gear using the hashtag live play recreate along with the hashtag RC sweepstakes. No purchase necessary. And July 31st, open illegal residents of the 50 U.S. states and D.C., age 18 plus for rules visit charlottesweb.com slash world series recreate the official cbd of major league baseball keith mcpherson from wfan our friend joining us right now we saw him during the all-star break what's good hey Yo. this is one of our first guests that's standing too i like are you standing i am standing i have the I like uh, stand-up desk and i have this like uh studio in my apartment it's like a walk-in closet that i turned into a studio for the purposes of podcast stuff like this. So thanks for having me, guys. Dude, Dude great to all, see you. First of all, I mean, you were fired up at the home run derby when we talked to you. you were yeah, I definitely was like probably like eight beers deep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go. Uh, yeah, you were, it was you were a good looking time. good too. Yeah, you were yeah, looking good, good too. You were looking sharp. I yeah. Mean, oh, he's always well dressed. Yeah, you were fired now. up though. I was I was we were talking to you and I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, we that's why we on. said we were like, oh, hey, we haven't had Keith on yet. And we've been up for a few months. So all right, yeah. Keith, let's get right to our therapy session, dude. Because we've been looking at your tweets too the past 24 hours, <laughs> and fans want to hear it. Let's start with the current disaster that is the New York Yankees. So when I say where are you at? 
Like, what are you expecting the rest of the year? Is Judge going to save them? Oh, here, we're showing one of your tweets right now. Bro, the Yankees are so bad, it's exhausting. I have nothing left for them. Mets win, take the series some life, if you want to believe. Okay, so talk us through what's wrong. Can Judge save them? And what do they do at the trade deadline? No, nah, Judge can't save these guys. Judge, we don't even know if Judge is going to be more than a potential DH next month, and he's going to be expected to carry. It sucks. It sucks. The year that he's named captain, they're going to blame this season on the Dodgers. They're going to blame the wall uh, in right field at Dodger Stadium. And <laughs> this lineup shouldn't be that bad. It's baseball, right? It's it's one thing when you lose your quarterback in football and the offense can't get first downs, can't find the end zone. You lose one guy on offense and everybody turns into a zero. That's why I say it's exhausting. I got nothing left for them because I watch the game every night. I'm on WFAN after the game every night. That's also why I included the Mets in there. Because I'm like, all right, I, I don't like the Mets, but I guess they have some life. At least watching them play, they hit. And Verlander pitched well last night, if you guys want to talk about that. But for the most part, it's the home of the Yankees. John Sterling and Susan Waldman call the game on our station. And Yankee fans call in to complain about Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, and the New York Yankees. Right now is another low point, and we thought we had all the low points of the season. But now it's just like we're searching for anything. Uh, we need Judge back. We need this deadline to improve the team. And we need these guys to wake up. They struck out 42 times in the series against the Angels. They're making every pitcher look like an ace. doesn't matter who it is. I probably could get a couple outs pitching against this Yankee lineup. So Sean Casey didn't fix him when he was Sean hired? Casey? Uh, <laughs> shout out to the mayor. Shout out to the mayor, first off. He's a great guy. Uh, but, I mean, listen, you can throw him into the heat of New York as a hitting coach when your best hitter is not playing. That's rough, and, and Sean's an awesome dude, but it's just, what's the, we've, we've, we've beaten this kind of today a little bit, but what's the fix? The trade deadline's almost here, 10 days away or so, a couple weeks away. What's the fix? Do they sell Yankee, not what the Yankees do? They're do not they try sell. to bring in people? And then you got like Carlos Rodon blowing kisses. What was the post headline? <laughs> Kiss my ass? Or something? What did yeah. it say? Like, kiss yeah, my that's ass on the cover of the newspapers. Great. Um, luckily, that happened in Anaheim and not the Bronx. The Yankees aren't going to sell because you have Garrett Cole, who might win the AL Cy Young this year. That'll probably be the only trophy we take home. Then you have Aaron Judge, the first year of his nine-year, $40 million a year contract. And you still have guys like Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, DJ LeMayu, who are supposed to be in the prime of their careers, but it looks like they're aging. It looks like they're at the end of their careers fast. So they're not going to sell. They're going to try and stack the team. But right now it's it's kind of confusing because on one hand, they say they need a left fielder, starting pitching, a catcher, bullpen help. But then on the other hand, we're reading about them trying to be under the luxury tax threshold. Which one is it? Are you going all in? Are you going to you know make the moves to bolster the roster and find some hitters and strengthen the team? Or are you going to try and finagle some money things right now? That's that's also why the fans are pissed off. They're, they're coming home tomorrow, and they will have a $25 million patch over the pinstripes that says Star Insurance. But they need to get under the luxury tax threshold. <laughs> Nothing drives me crazier than that. In my mind, because I did some podcast appearances yesterday on some Yankee shows, I said the Yankee fans and some fans of other teams that are big market spenders shouldn't even know what luxury tax means. There is they no don't. hard salary <laughs> cap. So for the Yankees to even toy with that and then nowadays try to blame like, oh, I don't want to pick 10 spots further back in the draft and, and be punished for it. Th that is ridiculous. The fact that they ever have to worry about that. We all know. I don't need to see the Yankees books. They make 
so much profit every Seven single year. $7 billion. They are the most profitable uh, on the road. They just went on the road and had 40,000 fans at each game. They turned road stadiums into home stadiums, and then the fans just turned against them and boom, and then you got Rodon <laughs> blowing kisses. Uh, he's been terrible, but he's got to figure that out. Uh, what I look at with the Yankees is it's just a disconnect, right? A disconnect from top to bottom. A month ago, Hal Steinbrenner comes out and he says, I don't know why the fans are upset. It's only the third week of June. Well, now it's the third week of July. Are you understanding why we're pissed off? You're understanding why we're upset? We're exhausted, man. We haven't won a series since we beat the worst team in baseball, the Oakland A's, who also got a game off the Yankees. They don't sweep teams. Uh, they don't hit and they don't pitch. And when they do pitch, the bullpen gives it up. And Aaron Boone says the same exact thing every night. The fan base is just like really lost right now. And I'm one of the fans that gets to speak on a platform like WFAN. I try and connect with people and I try and speak for the fans. But there's just nothing else to say. They got to play better. We need Judge back. They need to make moves at the deadline. This isn't acceptable. They were in the ALCS last year. They should have stacked the deck to get back. In my opinion, the American League is still wide open. We don't know who the clear-cut favorite this year is in the AL. So why can't the Yankees make a couple moves like they have the last few deadlines, whether it was Joey Gallo or Andrew Benintendi or Anthony Rizzo? Make some moves. Stack the deck again. You get Judge back, and maybe you can make a run. Maybe you can get to the last wild-card spot. Face the Minnesota Twins, who are our best pals when it comes to the postseason. <laughs> and then, you know, who knows? You, you know, you can possibly advance in what you call a crapshoot. This new postseason format with like the Phillies getting to the World Series. Maybe it could happen, but right now, I don't believe it can happen. I told fans last night I'm off the roller coaster. I can't go up and down and up and down with this team. Perfect game. And then they blow games. And then uh 4th of July, they win two games on the Orioles. Then they split the series. Like I'm off the roller coaster. I'm always going to be a Yankee fan. Look at my wall. Like if you actually could see the amount of Yankee stuff I own, and you guys saw me at the all-star game home run derby i'm dripping in yankees gear but i look like a clown right now with all this yankee stuff <laughs> who's the, the most way, take it easy on the twins okay because i started that trend so stop it <laughs> yeah but the they're, problem minnesota is nice trend a long time 20 ago. years ago yeah. <laughs> they're nice guys they always they cooperate in the postseason with the oh, yanks oh man minnesota nice baby who's the most disappointing new york yankee this season anthony rizzo it's over Vol close. over Volpe with the hype over Donaldson Volpe's over Volpe's 22 years old and, and Volpe skipped AAA. You know, I, I know there was a lot of hype and a marketing plan with Volpe being the local kid who met Derek Jeter when he was young. But you know, what what did you expect out of a rookie that they move in the lineup? And no, it's Anthony Rizzo on Mandalorian. Anthony Rizzo Mandalorian bobblehead night. I didn't get one of those. I've got every <laughs> other bobblehead. I've got. I say. I've got uh i got literally like 100 bobbleheads. I could keep going if you guys have time. As uh, you're Glaber, talking, yeah. Glaber Torres, uh, CC Sabathia. Uh, yeah, so on Mandalorian bobblehead night for Anthony Rizzo, this guy goes off. And uh, a lot of fans go back to Memorial Day weekend when Fernando Tatis Jr. took a step back to first base and kind of knocked his head. And they're saying he hasn't been the same since then. It's deeper than that. He's in the worst stretch of his career. He can't buy a hit. He's not hitting home runs. And he's the guy that we look to as like second in command to Aaron Judge. They're best buds. Their dogs are best friends, right? They're, you know, supposed to hold each other down. When Judge goes out, you expect Rizzo to rise. And he's been zero, a zero. And 
Uh, a lot of fans are pointing to like, hey, why didn't you go after Freddie Freeman? Or, hey, weren't you going to trade for Matt Olson And uh, Anthony Rizzo, it sucks, but, you know, he's got to pick it up. I, I would say Giancarlo Stanton second, but, like, it's just more of the same with Stanton. You know he's going to get hurt. You know it's going to take him a while to get going. You know he's going to hit home runs, and that's about it. Okay. Now that you've ranted about one team in New York, let's move on to the other team in New York. LGM. Which one's more of a – yeah, LGFM. On this show, we say, let's fucking go Mets. Yeah, even though even though Pete Alonso is not allowed to say it. Yeah, He needs to say it because he can't hit anymore. On this show, he can say it. Yes. Which one's more disappointing? I mean, I did the Mets game last week, and they played the Dodgers, and they looked awful. They looked lifeless. They had, like, no hits, and it was just awful. The fans were all over him. Buck, we should have kept showing Buck, and he's Buck's like, oh, God, again. You know, it's, so so who, which, which one's more disappointing? The Yankees, the Mets, they both came in with huge expectations, huge payrolls, and they're both not very good right now. The Yankees. Really? All things considered, this isn't one of the worst seasons for the Mets fan base. Like, it's disappointing when you win 101 games, you have the highest payroll in baseball history, and you do this. But right now, they're like, okay, we're seven games back. Maybe we make a run, but like, it's not as disappointing as the Yankees who preach 27-time World Series champions, bringing a parade back to New York. Uh, Brian Cashman scratches his head in the offseason and says, how far did we get? Oh, well, if you let the fans tell it, like, you know, getting to the ALCS doesn't mean anything. Well, it doesn't mean anything if you're going to take two steps back and go from competing for the World Series to competing for a wild card. So even though the Mets fans are disappointed um, because this Steve Cohen era, right, he said he's putting a five-year window on winning a world series this is year three and it doesn't look like they're going to win a world series these are Mets fans they've been through a lot worse Yankee fans have been through a ton of world series the expectation in New York with a generational talent like Aaron Judge with arguably one of the best pitchers in baseball and Garrett Cole the expectation is that we're in a championship window and this team should be competing for the division and then for the AL and then for the whole thing so it's disappointing even though they're three games above 500 you know, being three games out of the wild card spot, Yankee fans are ready to pack it up. Mets fans, they packed it up in June when they didn't win a series, and they kind of are looking at it like, ah, eh, if we figure it out, we figure it out. But typical Mets. Man, he's harsh. No, nah, it's harsh. New York, baby. It's just New York, you know. <laughs> yeah, and no, the expectation should be high because these teams. Well, 100%, yes. These but teams are spending, they're going for it. I just it love and... how he's like, yeah, oh, the Mets fans packed it up in June. They were like, we're done. <laughs> yeah, they went through a nightmare month. They couldn't win a series. They got swept by the Braves and they were done. Then they went and lost to everybody else. So it was just like, oh, get rid of get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy. And then Steve Cohen had to come out and speak, and that helped them a little bit. But what I get from the Mets fan now is like, whatever happens this season, they don't care. They're already out. The Yankee fan right now is super disappointed because uh, they're going to just chalk the season up to Judge being hurt. And we'll see what they do at the deadline. But there's a lot of Yankee fans that are already out on this entire organization, top to bottom. <laughs> All right, so I'm giving, let's finish with this. I'm going to give you the drastic magic wand for the Mets or the Yankees and let you decide something drastic that you would want to do. Uh, you know, options could include getting rid of a GM, a manager. It could include trading away a major player. What's one thing that you would do with, with one of those teams that would make a huge statement? Oh, well, for the Mets, it's to shed payroll. It's to get rid of Max Scherzer. It's to get rid of Cookie Carrasco's contract. Maybe move on from guys like, I don't know, Tommy Pham, Mark Canna, see what you can get. Like, I don't know if they're going to be sellers at the deadline because 
Uh, if you listen to them speak, they talked about teams being eight games out and making a run for it and Buck Showalter being manager of the year and them, you know, still feeling like they have a chance to compete. So a drastic thing would to be sell, sell off those pieces and look to the future. And I don't believe they're going to do that with the Yankees. Uh, it'd be the same thing. Sell, sell, sell. They're not going to sell. Neither team's going to sell. This is New York. They want to fight until they absolutely are mathematically out of it. Because if you do get postseason baseball in the Bronx or Queens, it's going to sell out. And it's all about the money, man. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. It's all about the cash. <laughs> I like it. Sold, dude. Hey, great to uh, talk to you virtually after seeing you in person, man. And uh, stay strong. Football season's there for you soon. Yeah. Just think you get to look yeah. forward to the Jets and how they can disappoint you soon enough. Yeah, hard knocks. <laughs> These guys don't want to be on hard knocks, but they got no choice, man. Hey, thanks for bringing me on. It was dope to see you guys out in Seattle. I told you, you guys have one of the best baseball podcasts going, and you ain't even been going that long, and you're rising up the ranks. So keep it up with the content and the guests. And I'll be supporting. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate you, man. One of the best Appreciate in the biz. It. You can follow Keith at Keith underscore McPherson. You can listen to him every night on WFAN. He does some stuff on Bleacher Report as well. Check out his Twitter for more information on everything that he's bringing to the table. Good juice, good energy at a time when especially great. Yanks fans really need it right now.